Welcome to Off the Record. I'm your host, Marika Day, dietitian, nutritionist, recovering perfectionist, and founder of Fueled by Marika Day. Join me here each week as we delve into what it really means to be a healthy and happy human. You'll hear from conversations with experts in their fields to raw and real chats about aspects of health and life that we really don't hear enough about. You'll be left feeling inspired, educated, and empowered to be the best version of you. So sit back, relax, or head on out for your walk, and let's dive on in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I am so excited for today's episode. I am sitting down and chatting with Jamie Veron, who is an author and author of one of my favorite books of all time, which is called Radically Content. And we are talking about all things being radically content in a world that is constantly teaching us to be dissatisfied with what we have. So Jamie is somebody who I've followed on Instagram for a very long time and have just loved her writing. So I'm really excited for this chat and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Welcome to Off The Record, Jamie. I am so excited to have you here. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am super excited because firstly, you are actually our first international guest that we've had on the podcast. So not only that, but also I am a massive fangirl of your work. I feel like I can't even remember when it was that I found you, but I feel like it was maybe just as COVID was kicking off. um, I think I found your work and I read your Instagram posts and I'm not quite sure whether how do you define your Instagram post? Like, is it poetry that you're posting or is it like, is it words? I, I don't know how to define them. I I think of them as like little, little essays, little posts. Yeah. Perfect. P- essays is perfect. And anyway, I read every single one of them and every single one I'm like, oh, you're speaking to my soul. <laughs> so thank, thank you for you. doing that. <laughs> of course. It's my pleasure. Um, That makes me happy. A lot of people say that of, you know, this hit me at just the right time. And that's sort of my intention. You know, when I post, I don't, I'm not doing Instagram and the, I got to be on some schedule and get my content. I don't, don't, not a content creator. I'm just like, I put something out and I go, this is going to hit who it's meant to hit. And I think that has allowed me to use Instagram, I think, in an interesting way where I'm really connecting with people as opposed to being like, oh, well, I got to put my post out for today and, you know, get that pressure going. Absolutely. I think that's the best way to use those social media platforms is to instead of feeling like that you need to be on the clock and like continuously doing things and like performing, essentially, it's like, you know what, this is what I f- I'm feeling right now and this is how I'm going to like, you know, show up and this is what I'm going to share and just seeing, you know, who does that resonate with? Exactly. I mean, I look at social media and I'm like, I'm going to use it, not have it use me. And so I'm going to go and do it the way that I want to do it. So I appreciate you saying that because it really is this very strong intention of mine of like, this will get to the people that it's meant to get to who need it at the moment that they need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are talking about your recent book that has just come out and I have had the pleasure of reading. I was so excited when it finally landed. It is such a stunning book. So congratulations, firstly. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Now, your book is called Radically Content. Could you tell us a little bit about, I guess, the purpose and motivation behind writing this book? Yeah. So the big thing was I say that I wrote a book about contentment because I was very against the idea of contentment, very much in the um, belief of like, you got to keep pushing, you can't give up, you can't be complacent. And in my mind, being content was being complacent. So I took that as like, you got to always be hustling, you got to always be working. If you're not working, at least stress about work because that feels like working, you know, like (laughs) at least try that. Right. If I'm not thinking about it, then it's not, it's not really like work. Right. Then it's not important. So you got to like think about it and stress about it and struggle over it and everything. And so that was me until I got to the point where it was like my early thirties and I was just like, well, this sucks. Like I, I never feel like I'm enough. I never feel happy. I've kept achieving and trying and accomplishing and nothing is ever just kicking in like, Ooh, okay, here's my beautiful life. It was just constantly, you're not enough. You're not doing enough. You got to get the next thing. And then once you get that thing, you got to go to the next thing. And it sort of hit me because I was doing all sorts of, um, you know, I, I tried a lot of different things. I'm a big um, experimenter and I love self-growth, love personal development. And one day it sort of dawned on me. I was like, I got content. Like that's what happened I, in a roundabout way. I mean, I wasn't trying to do it. I just was like, there has to be a better way than what we're currently doing, which is like hustling for our joy. Cause I felt like anytime I wanted to experience joy, it was, well, you haven't done enough yet. You don't get to be happy yet. So Mm -hmm. like, don't, you know, you have to keep now, you know, like keep trying, keep working. Almost like you don't deserve to be happy yet. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't deserve it yet. So you have, you still have your list of things that you're supposed to be doing. And I just, I threw that list away and I figured out how I was like, my task is to figure out how to find joy and happiness in the day that I'm in, not in some future moment when I get this big thing that I'm waiting for. And that, and I, and it just sort of dawned on me. I was like, it's contentment. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's what it is, you know? And so when I originally was thinking about doing a book and I was approached to do this book, um, there wasn't really, I didn't have like an idea yet. You know, I, I mean, I had the idea, but I didn't have the, the, the container for it. And when I landed on the title radically content, I was like, oh my God, like, that's it. That's what it is. So that's how it kind of came about because it feels like it came about very naturally, very organically, just responding to what I had built for myself because I really hadn't seen it modeled. You know, I saw a lot of things being modeled of, okay, once you get these things, you get to be happy. And, and then I would, those people secretly weren't very happy. And so I was like, well, this is a joke then who's actually just Hmm. okay in their life. Like who's actually just enjoying their life. And to me, it was like, it can't just be, the people who have all the money, have all the things and have all this, like the Instagram life. I was like, that can't be the only people who are enjoying their life. So I really set out to figure out how do you have like this unconditional 
joy and excitement and enthusiasm for life that's not dependent on how much output and productivity that you have. Absolutely. And was that something that was like a switch that just flicked and it changed overnight? Or was it something that is like constant, like, you know, practicing every day? Because I always hear these people talking about, you know, like, oh yeah, just one day I just, I just woke up and I was happy or I was just woke up and I was this. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that for me. Hell no. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. Every single day, even today, before we talked, it's like, all right, bring my brain back. Like I always feel like I'm lassoing my brain. It's like it's going off. You know, like it's just, it's, it's a runaway horse. It's off to the races. And I'm like, can you come back? We're not doing that anymore. We're not we're not in the future and saying, oh, life would be better if I did this and my pain would go away for this. No, it is a constant, vigilant effort. I mean, I think for most people, it probably is too, um, especially anyone who has any kind of mental health, you know, anything, um, struggle at all. Um, I think that I also, I mean, for the most part, what I talk about a lot in the book is that like, the way that culture is set up, especially in like, you know, Australia, America, these sort of like more developed, richer countries, it's like, it's not really set up for our well-being. So of course it's hard for us to like keep focused on I'm enough when the whole entire world is going, no, you're not. Buy this, do this, do more. You've got to be this, you got to be this. And so, you know, I take the pressure off of myself a little bit in that because I think it can turn into that self-blame of like, well, what's wrong with me that I can't just access this all the time. But it's like, well, when we're not being supported in any kind of like that kind of community or society or anything that's supporting that, it can make it really hard. I mean, I... I I don't know Australia too well um, in that sense, but I I have a sense it's similar and that there's that constant push of like, well, you're not enough yet. So you got to be more, buy more, do more. Exactly. And I guess that's the whole like capitalism thing. Like it goes against being radically content. Like you can't have capitalism and be radically content. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I say. It's like, as much as the book cover is like so pretty and so this, I like wanted to do a little like bait and switch a little bit where it was like, okay, so I got you in on the cover. And then now this is actually an anti-capitalist book. I <laughs> love like, that. It's like, I'm, I'm like really much more rebellious and like, you know, I have some tendencies where I want like revolution. I want change. I want my, my idea of like society is so idealistic that, you know, I, I also have to be rooted in reality, but it's true. I mean, this, this thing of like constant pushing, constant striving. I mean, what hurts me so much and why I felt so compelled to write the book is like, I do think that people get to a certain age, get to the end of their lives and they recognize these systems and they go, well, damn, how, like I've had people who have told me they're like, you know, I'm 65. I can't believe you're in your thirties and you realize this, like you're so mm-hmm. ahead of the game. And I mean, I get that because I, I feel so grateful that I kind of saw through the veil a little bit. It's like, this is not going to work. Like I looked down at the, at my life and I was like, I'm going to feel this way at 40. 
at 50, at 60, like it's never going to go away. And so I got to like, I got to be vigilant about this on a daily basis. Otherwise I'm going to miss my life. Absolutely. And for me, those moments were sort of like when I was like achieving things that, you know, you'd think that you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to feel really good when I achieve this. And I heard a quote somewhere where it was like, nothing is, well, not nothing, but most things are never as bad or as good as they seem. And I was like, it's so true. Like you get to these moments where you're like, oh, I thought that was going to feel a certain way. And it was kind of like, oh yeah, like it, it like I'm, I'm not satisfied. I, I need to do more. Well, that's what happens. I think people don't realize that they've been sold that myth. And so instead of going, hmm, maybe I need to reevaluate what I was expecting here, they go, no, it was just not enough. So mm-hmm. I have to do more. This is on me. And it's really because, you know, the way that I look at achievement, I love achievement. I love ambition. I love, I love doing stuff. I mean, I've got books coming out. I got a bunch of stuff coming out. But also it's very important for me to know that all of it is fleeting, that those moments, like I got to love, for example, like writing radically content. I tasked myself with loving the process of writing it, you know, because I couldn't live in April 12th when the book was going to come out. It's like, I'm not in that day yet. So I got to love this process. I got to love the the editing and the shaping and the even the promoting and all of this stuff. Otherwise, why am I doing it? Because it's just that moment, like April 12th came and went. Exactly. I mean, it's done, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and I don't want to, right. Like I don't want to diminish that it was a beautiful day and it's been a beautiful time, but also it's done. And Mm. so if I had put, like, I thought about it that week after my book came out and I was like, thank God I didn't put every single, oh, all my doubts will go away. My life will be perfect now. I'll be like those people that I've compared to for two, you know, for 20 years and all this stuff. Like, thank God I didn't because I would have been seriously let down, seriously disappointed. And that could have maybe, you know, I've, I've heard from a lot of people, and I think this is beyond just writing books, but I've heard from a lot of people that their second book is really hard to write because of those expectations of being really let down that even if your book is meteoric in what it does, it doesn't feel the way that you expect. And then you go, wow, I still have to return to the work. Um, Mm -hmm. and I still have to, you know, it's still me and the page, me and this, And I think this applies to a lot of things where, you know, we think that moment of achievement, um, because we've built it up in our minds, we've watched other people play out the narrative that they're all trying to play out to. Everyone's playing out this narrative um, that we go, well, I'm supposed to be changed. I'm supposed to be different. And that's like a really slippery, a, a really slippery slope because, what, what ends up happening, and I think we've all experienced this, of like, I notice that what I do, and I still do it sometimes, is like, if I'm feeling pain in the present moment, or maybe I'm feeling like disappointed or scared, you know, when I get scared, I start like doing all kinds of weird stuff of like, well, I don't really want that. And I don't really, mm-hmm. you know, all, all this I, stuff. I start planning and I'm like, what can I control? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm like, ooh, okay, now I need to get all the certainty that I can't yeah. get. So let me try to control everything. And I, I, what I do is I start then proje- future projecting. I go, oh, well, if I, 
if if this happens, I won't feel this way. It's like a way to take away the current emotion. And I just know now to kind of like, even though my brain wants to go there, I have to pull myself back and go, that's not going to happen. I already know it's never going to happen because these things, these external things don't solve our internal pain. Like they just don't. And I think somewhere we know that, but it's, it's, it's just so anticlimactic. Admit. Yeah. It's hard to admit and say to yourself, well, this is me. Like I just really have to be with, that was, that's what happened to me when I, when I recognized that like my life wasn't going to be different at some future point. I was like, I got to just hang out with this version of me all the time. <laughs> this guy is this crap. Like, I mean, I was not my own friend. So I was like, this is all I got was me. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's rude. Uh, so, you know, it was really kind of this weird thing. And then now I'm like, okay, it is just me because I now, I mean, and I have a lot of friends, which I'm sure you do too. And you've experienced a lot of like, you know, very impressive external success in that way. And you, you talk to a lot of people and you're like, no matter where they're at, no matter what level they're at, no matter what their perception is. I have a friend who's, she's got 30 million followers on Instagram, right? And she still has self-doubt. She still has those days. She still, so it's like, what can you do except make yourself and get into that place where you're really in the moment of your life and feeling very present. And like, you know, it comes back to that simplicity of being present, which I, I was always like present God, like, I don't want to be present. I want to be in my future where everything's good now. Absolutely. And I think in this like sort of hustle culture, it can almost feel like you're settling. Like if you're like, oh, well, if I'm not focusing on what's going to come, then that must mean that I'm settling. And it's like, well, what's wrong with being happy with what we've got? Exactly. Like now we've, we've taken, it's good. Okay, great. Yeah. Let's tell people, of course, don't settle for less. Like, yeah, know your worth. But the thing, but the thing with these concepts is that it's like, it starts good and then we take it way too far. You know, it's like, great, be productive. Yeah, I think that's great. But then um, you never sleep and yes. you're just obsessed with being productive. No, we we take it to the extreme. And the same with the settling thing. It's like, great. Yes, absolutely. Know your worth. Don't settle for less. Cool. But now don't take that as never enjoy your life because you have to keep going to the next thing. And you never actually, like I say this a lot, it's like you never settle into your life. Like you're just constantly going, the grass is greener. The grass must be greener. And it, and we don't have any evidence for that. So it's like where, I mean, whose grass is greener? Because if everyone's thinking the other person's grass is greener, nobody's actually just sitting on their own grass being like, cool day today. <laughs> you know, like I want to, be, I want that. I want to be like, what's the day today? What's going on? I tell myself a lot when I'm tripping out. Sometimes I tell myself like, be in the day you're in. This is your day that you have. And, and I think that's where like knowing your personality and knowing your like mental health and everything like that is so important because for me, like I know I'm one to go to extremes and like, you know, if someone says work hard, I'll be the hardest worker in the room. And, and so right. I've got to rein that in. Like, 
it's like if if someone says that you know working hard is the key to success then I know that I can't take that too literally because I know for me I will take everything literally so I think that's where yeah knowing yourself and knowing how you take these sorts of messages that we're receiving um, be it from you know our parents be it from our peers or be it from social media we just need to know how are we going to respond to that and are we going to respond to it like in a positive manner or are we going to take it to the extreme I love that you said that because I think the the word that uh, keeps coming up for me is discernment. And I really think this is a lost art of being able to really take in, especially on the internet, take in information, take in advice, and then be able to discern for yourself, like, does this work for me? You know, even something as as simple as like, you know, if you're not a super early bird type of person, but every fitness account is saying you got to work out in the morning, but it's such a struggle. It's like, like I work out during the day at 2 PM. I don't work. I'm like, I'm not, I will miss every workout if I have to work out at 6 AM. It will never happen. And so it's like, why go against myself? And that's, I think that's so important what you just said of like, really knowing yourself, which is something that I really try to instill because, you know, I think there's a lot of people and I know you do this too, that like, they want to look at people as gurus, as the experts that know everything. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's really disempowering to be constantly putting people on pedestals. Like it's it, great. Let's listen to experts for sure, but also be able to know when, someone can't be an expert on you. Like it's like someone can be an expert as like in the medical field and the scientific, these types of things. Sure. It's like after a while you accumulate information, but when someone's trying to be an expert on you and your experience, that's when I think you need to take a step back and notice how discerning you're being with yourself. Because like, that's something I try to tell a lot of people who, you know, I'm like, especially in my book, I'm like, I don't want you to follow what I do. You know, like, don't, I don't want you to have my life. Like you have your life. Like that's the whole point is I think we need to step away from idealizing and idolizing people and just be talking more face-to-face, more one-on-one in terms of, you know, not putting people on this pedestal as if they, because I find that women do that a lot. It's like, oh, they know better. Yeah. Oh, they know better. And it's like, but don't you know better? Like you know better on you. And I think and that you comes have down to, to that empowered. self-trust. Like it's trusting your own intuition and learning to trust your body because it's so hard to trust yourself and to trust, you know, your thoughts and trust your body and trust what you know about you when you have got all of this information coming in that's sort of saying, we'll do this, do that. This is the best thing. And even if it is, this is what I always say in like the nutrition space, even if that is, you know, from science perspective, the best thing, you know your body as well and you get to be in control of your body. You get to choose what you do with it, even if it's not the healthiest or the best in terms of what the evidence says. This is your life. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're all supposed to be different. I mean, we're not all supposed to be the same. This is something that I'm like, we forgot this. And I had to come to the realization too. It's just like, we don't all... We're not all put on this earth to like the exact same things. I mean, why do people, I, I don't like like heavy metal music. Some people, that's like they get down to it, you know? I mean, they're listening to it on while they're working out or something. I'm like, that's not my, that's not my vibe. But 
there are some people that that's resonating with them. There are some people that that's hitting. There are some people. And I think like this idea that, you know, and I say this in the book, which is like, it's a form of conforming. And if we think of it that way, it becomes less appealing. It really does. Conforming. Ew. You know, like when we do the hustle culture and we do like things the way that other people say to do it, it's conforming. And that becomes, and then you're like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. Like sometimes we need the word for it to go, oh no. Oh no, no. I'm not conforming. Yeah. Um, But that's what we do. Gives you the motivation then to be like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. Like if that's what, you know, if using language, and I think that's where I also love, you know, your words and everything is like using language to express how something's happening or how somebody's feeling. It then gives you that power to then go, oh, like, and like reassess what's important to you and what's not important and how you want to live your life. Exactly. I mean, that's why it's so important to name certain things and have, you know, because when we have them kind of up in the air, like what you just said about self-trust, like, I think that's vital because I think a lot of us, and I, I talk about this a lot because I do think a lot of us misunderstand that like, maybe we're not supposed to go from like, what we're taught, which is like self-doubt, self-loathing, straight into self-love. You know, we see a lot of stuff, especially on the internet about self-love. And then I feel like a lot of people then privately feel a lot of shame that they can't access that self-love. And I'm, and I look at it and I'm like, I had to build self-trust before I could build self-love, which means like I had to honor my promises to myself. I had to listen to myself. I had to be discerning with the information that was coming in. And then the self-love part just sort of naturally happened because I was like, oh, I trust myself. Therefore, I love myself because I I feel safe with myself. Mm. And sometimes in a lot of this like over commercializing these concepts, you know, like self-love it's, you know, Oh, I mean, now it's like, Oh, buy these leggings self-love, you know, it's like, it's not that, you know, like it's not ever going to be that it's going to be cultivating that relationship with yourself and having, and knowing that like you have your own back, which I think is like a very underrated thing. And I think the other thing with self-love is that it's like any relation, well, any relationship that you have with anyone is going to be similar to the relationship that you have with yourself, that it's not going to be love every day. Like even with your children, like, you know, you love your children. It doesn't mean you're going to have the best day with them and you're not going to want to scream at them and, and say nasty things because it's like any relationship. You know, if you've, you've got a husband that you love, there's going to be times where you have days where you're really struggling to love them. And you're going to have that with yourself as well, is that there will be days where it's not all about self-love. It's about really like trying to, like you said before, like rein it in and go, okay, you know, this is not what we're doing. We're, we're controlling this a little bit today. That's so beautifully said. I completely agree. I mean, I feel like since my my version of self-love is really being in relationship with myself and not having all these high expectations of like, it's got to be perfect every day. And I got to be like, you know, saying all these nice things to myself all the time. It's like, sometimes you're just not in the mood. Sometimes, sometimes things come up, you know, like sometimes I was just talking to a friend um, earlier today of like, you know, when you ask, like, say you want like a new paradigm or you want to shift, or I want this change. I want it. It's like, you have to confront 
some of the things that are blocking that change to come through. And instead of, instead of like approaching that and going, okay, what's coming up for me with curiosity, often we can like deny that. And then we're rejecting ourselves. It's the same way, like, okay, sometimes in a relationship, like with a partnership marriage, you know, even a business partnership, sometimes in order to evolve and move forward, you need conflict. Like you need certain things to come up so you can say, this is the thing that's preventing us from evolving into this next state. And we have that with ourselves, but I do find that, and I don't know, maybe I I think this is definitely true about men, but I'm an expert on women because I am one. So I think that we've been very, much taught to disconnect from having a relationship with ourselves. It's almost like that's selfish. Mm-hmm. Like it's selfish if you care about how you exist in the world, um, which has really been fed to us a lot. Cause that's another thing that I hear of like, how do I prioritize myself? Because I think that's selfish to do that. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, imagine how much more you're able to give when you've given to yourself first, Absolutely. right? And even when it comes to body image, that sort of thing that comes to mind with me and with my audience is that like it's you're taught literally not to like your body. And like there's industries that literally rely on you hating your body for your entire right. duration of your life. <laughs> That's their business plan. Yeah. Their business plan is like okay, we're targeting these people who hate their body. And if they don't hate their body, let's give them some reasons, absolutely, you know, absolutely. To, to do it. And it's like, and we, and then what, and then what's so amazing about it, I don't know how they concocted this whole thing is that they do this and then they go, but then it's still your fault. Oh, like, yes, it's still absolutely. your fault that you hate your body. We didn't do, we didn't do anything. It's like, but here, now, now here's a, here's a way work? you can fix hating your body. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's self-love. Yeah. Here's leggings, you know, or like face masks, buy this. Like, I'm like, most of my self-love is totally free because I can't, I can't subscribe to this stuff. That's like all this, it's all super expensive. I mean, I'm down to treat myself, but when it comes to like, what is my foundational self-trust, self-love, these building blocks, it's a lot simpler and free. You know, it's like taking a walk outside is my daily, you know, it's how I show myself, like, I love you and I care about you and I want you to feel good. And doing that is like completely free. Yeah. Amazing. One of the um, things that I really resonated with, and I think our audience will in your book um, is how you speak about body image and your journey with body image over time. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that journey sort of transpired for you becoming radically content in your body? Because I know it's something that my audience just struggles so much with. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I, so, you know, I feel like my relationship with my body is constantly changing and I let that be true because there's just always new things that I, once I connect into my body, um, I'm always learning new things and, and, and uprooting some, you know, a lot of stories that I've been told or have about my body. And what I recognize is, you know, insecurity, we take that on, but I, I recognize that I was like, it's really just caring so much what people think more than what I think. And it's really just going, 
okay, I'm worried that people are judging me. And what, what we often hear is like, no, people are thinking more about themselves than they are about you. And, you know, I think sometimes with women, what we, what I felt was like, it's always this sort of like appeasing language instead of like, yeah, people might judge you. Okay. Yeah. You know, like they're, I mean, you can't tell someone, you can't tell a woman who's walking through the grocery store, seeing every single magazine, judging women, judging celebrities, judging this, scrolling on Twitter. There's all kinds of opinions. You can't tell them, well, no one's really thinking about you. It's like, no, people might judge. You know, I had to, like some people, when I walk somewhere, they might judge me. Well, I mean, what can I do? And is it going to prevent me from doing the things that I love and loving myself. And cause like this whole thing that I had where I can only love myself if I lose weight, it was not working for me because what happened was then I would lose the weight and then it would be terrifying to gain it back. And then I'd be, and then it wasn't enough weight. And then there was, it's like, it's never ending. And I'm not saying anything's like, I think if, you get to the place where you really love yourself and have, I I got to the place of more like body neutrality where like, I don't need to like be obsessed with my body and like love my body because I'm like, my body is only a part of me. It's not, you know, I don't want all that focus. Like I don't want it to be everything is about my body. And, you know, you'll notice when things that I share online, I'm not really like constantly calling attention to my body. I'm just existing as a human being in this body. And so, you know, I think that that's that body neutrality and like getting to the place where you're like, I am worthy because I just exist, not because I've done a certain things, not because my body looks a certain way. And if like, you have the the desire to like look at your how you eat, how you exercise, and you want to change your body from a place of feeling like good with yourself. Cool. I feel like that's a different level of ease that you can, or if you don't, that's great too. But I think this idea of, I felt that it was very harmful to believe that like, I only get to love my body if I look a certain way. And then also that like, constantly kind of appeasing, like all bodies are beautiful. All it's, we're so beautiful at any size. It's like, why is the focus always on beauty? Like we, it's this, it's that feeling again. Yeah. Yeah. Of like that, that infantilizing, the kind of like appeasing, like, oh, head pat little girl, you're okay. And it's like, I'm a 36 year old woman. Just stop lying to me. You know, like stop. And and it's like, (laughs) I don't have to love you know, I don't have to love my cellulite. I don't have to love my scars. I don't have to love those sorts of things that that your body is not needing to be loved and you don't have to find yourself, you know, physically attractive or anything like that. That's not what self-love is. It's accepting that this is the vehicle that is taking you through life. And how freaking incredible and beautiful is that in terms of not beautiful, physically beautiful, but how beautiful is it that you have this body that is present with you for every moment of your life, like every moment. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're souls, like we're consciousness, we're souls to be so fixated on this like outer shell that we have and to put this onus that like this idea that like we fixed bodies 
by saying that like you can be beautiful at any size, it's like, all right. <laughs> you know, it's like still I got to be beautiful. Like, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's another thing of like, oh, now I have to present a certain way and okay, now they may have like expanded the focus group, but now it's like, there's oh. another standard, you know, it's just like, it, it gets to me because you're right. I mean, we do not have to, this idea that like, we have to think of ourselves as beautiful and attractive and like every single picture that we look at and every single thing, like sometimes I don't like a picture of myself and I'm just like, but I like the moment, you know, like I was Absolutely. there. I yeah. just want to keep that because I was there. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to look at it and be like, wow, what a, you know, like, I think there's a real over, overemphasis on like, cause what it's saying is women can only feel good about themselves when they feel beautiful. And it's like, well, what about the other freaking things about us that matter? Like, I don't know, maybe our brains, maybe our ability to connect with people, maybe who we are, maybe our souls, maybe our personality, maybe the everything things that we else. do and literally everything else, except just like how we look to the outside world. It's like, okay, that's not my idea of like loving my body. Um, my idea uh, more, more so, and I think this is your, your way of doing things that I absolutely love, which is like respecting the body. Like I don't have to love it, but I have to respect it. I have to respect that. Like I am constant. I'm a feeling person. Every, we all are, whether we're, you know, a repressing our feelings or not, they're still there. And, um, you know, we have feelings, we have emotions, we carry things, we are able to sense with our bodies. Like, you know, we can touch, we can smell, we can feel all these things and everything beyond that, like to just put this narrow thing of like, it's just about beauty. We miss out on so much. Cause that's how I felt. I think that that was what happened to me where I was like, I, I, I got to the place where I was like, okay, I like myself in pictures. I'm beautiful. I believe that and everything. And then I realized I was like, I don't actually feel good in my body though. Like I don't feel energized and active and, you know, I don't, I just don't feel like the way that I really want to feel. And because I'm just fixated on like, well, do I, am I beautiful enough? It's like, gosh, that's not even top of my list now at all. And I think that's where diet culture plays into it. It's diet culture literally is emphasizing how you look over how you feel and even your health then as well. And so it just becomes this like perpetuating cycle of like, well, I actually don't even feel good now. And I probably still don't even like myself. So you just then fall into that, that cycle that we were talking about. Yeah. I mean, if we were able to look at our health and our bodies as what do I need to do to feel good in my body? I feel like a lot of our expectations and desires would change. It's just a lot of times we're fixated on what other people think. And mm -hmm. I get it. I mean, we're told that that's our value is how other people perceive us. But I think it's really important to look at our relationship with how we uh, look at our relationship with how much we um, care about what people think. I think this is a very hard thing to look at, but, but very honest. I mean, that was, that was something I had to admit to myself. I think it was about 2017 ish. 
I was like, I care what people think so much that like I'm making decisions based on what will people think when I do this or like, what will people think? That's just my constant question to myself. And it was hard to admit, but it was actually the most freeing thing because now what will people think is like the last question on the list of questions before I make a decision. And I think, again, that's where one of those things is that it's a constant practice of going, oh, I'm thinking, what will people think? What's another way of thinking? And it's not like, I think there's this expectation that these things happen overnight and that it's just this flip, like this switch that flips. And it's so not that. It's literally challenging these thoughts and these assumptions and these biases that we have grown potentially over our entire lifetime um, and going, how can we think differently about this and how can we make a different decision about this? That's exactly right. I mean, I thought, I think I believe that for a bit. Like you heal, you're good. And then like you, you know, you it's say to good. yourself, you're like, I'll yeah. Ne- yeah, like I'll never have this issue again. And then, oh, I mean, the second you say that, it'll, it's like the next day you're like, really? Yeah. I'm here again. <laughs> um, and I've looked at it, I look at it now as like healing is not in the first thought. Like the first thought, we are conditioned. Um, we often really underestimate how much there's still like stuff stored in the body here and there from like before we were even conscious and um, able to think like very clearly. And so, you know, for me, my first thought, it's not always the one that I'm going to stay with. So if I have that thought of like, oh, I hate that, or I, there's something, what do people think? And, you know, I then, yeah, like I stop myself. That to me is being present. It's not just like presence isn't just like, look at that flower. You know, we have this like really like silly idea of presence, but like presence is, okay, I just had that thought. What will people think? It's trying to come into my decision-making. Now, what is my second thought? What's the next, how do I actually want to think about this? Which that's the healing. The healing Mm. isn't like you're saying this overnight flip of a switch. Here we go. We're done. We'll never, ever deal with body image issues ever again. It'll never come up again because I healed it, whatever. It's like, it's It's so unrealistic. It's so unrealistic and it's impossible because we are constantly learning and growing. And, you know, I mean, I had like, I wrote, for example, okay, I write radically content. Right. And that was very much in response to the fact that like, things were not happening in my life externally. You know, things were not showing up. I was getting, I didn't have a book deal. I didn't have these things coming up. Okay, so then fast forward to now, all the things are happening, all the book deals, all the things. And I now have to grapple with, I'm like, I have to figure out my way of being content when all the things that drove me to figuring out how to be content are now showing up. And it's like, that's just a new iteration of myself, if that makes sense, because you constantly are growing. You're constantly putting yourself out there. Like really, I would think the only way that you could be like, okay, I'm here. I'm healed. I'm perfect. Is like, okay, go live in a yurt somewhere, I guess. And like, do not engage with the outside world at all. You know, it's like, cool. You know, just like, I don't know. I don't know what you do out there, but just do it, I guess. Even then you'd probably find things that you have to learn and grow through. Um, so yeah, I, I never have the expectation anymore 
that it's a flip and a switch. Like I, I have a thing with one of my friends where like the moment we say like, oh yeah, I'll never feel like this. Like, ah, uh, that's about to come next right minute. around. <laughs> right. Next minute, it's going to just grip you. Like don't, don't test the gods. You know, it's like, oh, I, I feel like that the with my anxiety. Every time I'm like, oh, yes. I'm really on top of my anxiety. You know, it, right. it's, it's under control. And then yeah, next minute you're like, oh my God, this is the worst it's ever been. Uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it just, you know, and maybe that's okay. We like to think, okay, I want to celebrate my progress, whatever. But yeah, those big declarations, I do think that probably trips a lot of us up. I mean, because it can feel like you're going backwards, but I now see it as like you're deepening into that healing. You're learning a new way of, you know, existing, like, especially when you're going into something new, that's foreign. I mean, things are going to come up that you're not expecting. And I, I, yeah, I think this expectation that it is a light switch. I mean, we're, we're in this culture right now, just quick fixes, you know, instant gratification. And we say, we say that we're like, oh, we're in this culture of instant gratification and we act as if we're outside of it. But then we're like, um, hello, where's my instant gratification? (laughs) Oh my God. It's so true. Like, and I actually saw a study on this. Um, it was related to, um, it was related to like eating patterns and everything. And it was showing that like they took in this group of psychology students and I can't even remember what the experiment was, but it was these people who actually knew better, like in the sense that they, they thought that they knew how to control whatever it was that they were studying. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like it still happens. It doesn't matter how much, you know, like these things still happen. Absolutely. And that, you know, I think so. that might feel, oh, well, then what's the point? It's like, well, I actually find this incredibly freeing. That's the point because there oh, are right. times, and, and I, I think you, I mean, you know too, there are times where like there is such a true sense of peace and freedom, you know, for like when I notice that there's a sense of peace and freedom around something that used to grip me on a minute to minute basis, I'm like, oh, that's the point. That's the point. Okay. So, and, and, you know, there's certain things that come up that might feel like a backtrack, but they don't last for like a year, like they used to, you know, I mean, Mm. there's certain things that in my past when, when something went a different way or like I was rejected or disappointed or something that could last like a year of my life. Now it's like half a day you know, or like a couple days or maybe a week or something. And I'm like, "Mm, that kind of, that sucked. Like, I'm going to feel this. I'm going to sit with it. And I think that's the thing. It's not like expecting that it's all going to go away, but knowing that the deeper you get with yourself, the better your relationship with yourself, the more that these, like, I kind of see them as like turnaround times, you know, like you just, you, you have it come. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I I think that that's where you come back to being radically content is that then you get these moments of like peace or joy or even just like gratitude for little things that you might not have had before. And I'm actually going to read this sort of goes back to a a part of your book where um, and what we were talking about, about photographs and pictures. Do you mind if I read a little section of your book to our audience? No, go ahead. So I think that this is something that I know I've even resonated with and I know a lot of um, my clients in the past have and I'm sure a lot of our audience will and it's about images. So you've said, I used to brace myself looking at a picture of myself knowing that I'd find a relentless amount of flaws in it. My stomach would drop when looking at myself. 
I wouldn't think of the memory or the moment or anything else except look at the way my stomach is, look at my arms, look at my face. The anguish at my own body was present in the energy of that photo too. I looked as uncomfortable as I felt. I think that's something that so many women, again, I speak to women being a woman. I think so many women in particular would relate to, and I'm just going to fast forward to a couple of pages down now and read this next little section. But I've come to understand that pictures are a witness to life and I deserve to be in the forefront of my own life. I deserve to be the main character in my own story. I deserve to put myself first. I deserve to be seen and I deserve to be seen in whatever iteration of my body I'm in. I deserve to have my moments captured. Wow. I I think that is so beautiful. And if I could like pin that on everyone's walls, I would. Because I think I that photographs are, like you said, like it's it's capturing a memory, it's capturing a moment and people feel, and, and I've also done the same, where you look at a photograph and you're like, oh, look at my nose, look at my arm, look at my like this, that. You start pulling it apart and it's like, hang on, who am I with? What was I doing? Why did I take that photo? Exactly. I mean, and and what I recognize is like we we try to kind of fracture things and say, well, you know, oh, I was there. I was, I was, it doesn't, I don't need to have a picture. You know, I don't I mean, I, that's especially such a mom thing. I think, you know, they're like, I don't need to be in it. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, I, and I, I'm not even a mom, but I know that moms do that. So um, I can hear my mom saying it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, oh, it's fine. I'll take it. I don't, I don't look good. I don't have my face on, you know, and you're just like, God damn, get in the fucking but okay um anyway um you know I I think that what I noticed was all the times that I was like no I don't want to be in it I don't want to be in it I was actually not fully in the moment like I really was just I think we all know that feeling where you're somewhere and it's like half or maybe 70 percent of your brain energy is going to like disliking yourself and w- w- not feeling comfortable with yourself. So you're really only present for about 30%, you know? And I think I just got to the point where I was like, I, I can't do this to myself anymore. So it, it actually, and, and this is something that I think is really important as it comes to photos. And I, I wonder if you um, have experienced this where like the more I take photos of myself, not in like a vanity way, but even if it was a vanity way, so what, you know, I can do whatever I want. Um, but like the more that I take photos of myself, the more that I'm present to myself, the more that I actually like the photos of myself. Like at first I didn't, you know, because I'm not used to my, I wasn't used to myself for some reason, you know, it was just like, I get a picture of myself once a year and go, Oh God, that's what I look like, you know? And now I take photos of myself pretty often. And I just got like exposed and used to my image that now it's not like I, I just now really respect how I look. And that doesn't mean I look good in every picture. I mean, then you start taking pictures and you go, wow, lighting is a thing because, (laughs) oh my God, you know, it's like, yikes, do not take a picture where a window is behind you. You know, like it's got to be in front, babes. It's got to be in front, you know, like, woo. And you start to notice these things where you're like, okay, you know, it's not, I don't have to hide away. And I, I really find that that's so important because, you know, there are some people, yeah, they, they jump in, they feel really, they, they don't even think about this stuff. And 
And then there are some people who, you know, they're the ones suffering alone and not being seen and not acknowledging themselves and, you know, waiting for permission. And I think we're waiting, well, um, when I lose 10 pounds, I'll, I'll get in the pictures. And it's like, no, get in it now. And like, you know, be in your pictures. Like my mom does this. My mom will take a picture and she's like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. No, delete that. And I'm like, mom, it's for my memory. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, it's, it's on my phone for me. I'm not publishing it somewhere. I just want to remember that we were together on this day. And I think it also, it it's bringing it back to that your worth is based on what you look like, because if your worth wasn't based on what you look like, then you would be more like looking at that image going, well, that's a memory or what funny thing happened that day? Or, you know, who was I with that day? But we are so fixated on how we look is a measure of our worth and, you know, our value and our lovability and all of these sorts of things. So I think that, yeah, again, it comes back to liking yourself for who you are outside of what you look like. Because yeah, like you said, you know, you might look at the image and be like, oh God, that was a horrendous photo of me, but who cares? Like it's a memory. Exactly. Exactly. Like you existed. And I, I think you're completely right. It's, it's not that we're looking at that image and going, oh, not, not that outfit wasn't working. Like that's not my color. You know, it's like, oh, yikes. We're looking at it going, my value and my worth has just plummeted because people saw me looking like that. How did they even want to be around me? How am I even mm -hmm. loved? How am I even this? You know? And it's like, Oof, because that's how I felt when I would I'd be like, oh my God, that's embarrassing. And I'm like, what? I was I was there. No one was embarrassed to be with me. And I'm now creating that story. I mean, a big part of this was like, you know, my husband, he loves taking pictures. Oh my God. He is obsessed, you know? And it's like he was in all the pictures, like when we would travel and everything. And I'm like, where was I? Like, was yeah. I even there? And, you know, when he like he'll look at a picture of himself and he'll be like, eh, I don't I don't know about that. He's not sitting there going, studying it and zooming it and being like, oh, man, I'm pulling the worst, you know, right. Like pulling it apart and going, oh, how did you how do you love me if I look like this in this picture, you know? And it really, it's, it's very interesting because you're like, this is not how we're meant to be. This is just how we've been conditioned to be. And so often, and this is what I wanted to bring to light in my book. So often, I, like, I repeat it over and over because I'm like, I need you all to know this, that like, we have been taught to be like this. This is not your fault. Cause that's the problem with self-help. It's like, we get addicted to where, where, I did this to myself. What's wrong with me? It's like, we've been taught to think this way about ourselves. So of course you've been conditioned to think that way. It's okay. But now let's think something else. And I just, it, it, it hurts me because I remember feeling like this is my fault. Like I don't like pictures of myself because I didn't lose weight or like, because I'm not this, because I don't look like that. And, and then it's like I started to get more comfortable, more confident, started to trust and love myself. And then suddenly it's the same body. I look the exact same, but I like the picture of myself because I'm like, I was there. I was present. I felt good about myself, not because I looked at the picture and went, oh, okay, I look acceptable. 
that other people like will think that it's more just like, I liked, I like who I am. I like who I am as a human and my worth and my value is not solely dependent on me being pretty enough for the world. Yeah. And one of the things I've found is that if you become so fixated on like earning your worth, so like whether it be through losing weight or whether it be through work stuff or achievement or whatever it is that your sort of thing is that you're fixated on is that you then become almost resentful of people who are like content and happy is that you're sort of like, well, how dare you? Like you haven't even achieved that or you haven't lost the weight and you're, and you're happy. Like that's not fair. Yeah, you cheated. It's like the people who, the whole thing in America, the conversation about student loan debt, and then people go, well, you can't forgive student loan debt. I worked so hard to pay it off. You, That's cheating. It's like, why can't we let it, what? Like, it's it's so funny. But uh, absolutely, we do that. We're like, oh, come on. Like, you you need to be doing more. You should and then be unhappy. perpetuate. But, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, because what, I'm what, unhappy, what you, you should be out? unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that is a big thing. That's a big thing, especially on the internet. It like actually took me a while to get comfortable, like sharing my joy and my happiness because I felt like, oh, there is nothing that will fill my messages up more than like a rant or something, a vent or something that's just kind of more perceived as negative. And like, sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you got to get it out. But I mean, it's a... I think uh, we have a hard time witnessing other people's happiness and joy and try to find reasons, like try to find reasons that it's not real or that they're cheating or doing something wrong. And what I found with that, I mean, just if we're going a little bit deeper on that, I found that then if I got to the place where that person was and I was comparing myself to them, then I started being against myself of like, oh, you must, this must not be that good. You must not be, you know, cause I judged that person who was at this position that because of my jealousy, I was, you know, trying to take them down a notch. And I'm like, I don't want to take anyone down any notches. I want everyone to just be like living their content. most free. Yeah. I want everyone to be content and like living the life that they love. It doesn't have to look like mine. Like go freaking, I don't know, find whatever that is. Yeah. I love that. So my final question for you is how do we balance this, like letting go of control and being radically content with things like healthy striving and, um, doing your best and being your best. Like, is it possible to do both at the same time? Because that's something where I guess I've struggled in the past is, well, I have goals and I have things that I want to achieve, but I also want to be like happy and present in the moment. So how do you find that balance? I love that question because I'm the same, super ambitious. I have a lot of plans. Um, I guess for me, it's about, you know, holding this, holding a truth, two different truths at the same time, essentially, which is like, okay, I need to be content where I am, accept where I am. I'm not in that future yet. And then when I get there, I can fully enjoy it because I haven't put all these expectations on it. And I think what ends up happening is when you do get to that place of contentment and you really feel that you have that foundation, some of your dreams change. You recognize, you know what? I don't think I really wanted this that bad. I kind of wanted to say that I had it more than I had it. And then once, and then on the flip side, you know, I got, I became like super 
content, chill, all these things. And then I still wanted to write books. Like I still wanted to do these things. So I was like, cool, now I can do this with like less pressure. I can, I, I think we have this idea that like our striving and our pushing and suffering like works the best. It's like, that'll get me there. And it's like, I think, I just think joy works better. As someone who has like just published a book, has two books coming out next year, is like living all the things, joy is much easier because I don't have to put all this pressure on it. And like, I just, now these are things I just like to do. And I know that that's not always possible for people, but if you are in that position where you get to choose between the thing that's like making you suffer because it'll look good to other people versus the thing that you just like actually feel excited to do and it feels good to you, like it's just better to do that. But Mm. we often choose the thing that's like supposed to be what'll look good or is like this strategic choice. I just don't think that we need that constant, I don't think we need to be motivated by our shame or self-hatred or our self-loathing or our self-doubt. I think we can have this like healthy striving where it's like, I'm good with where I'm at, but I'd like to add these things. That would be nice. Absolutely. Like that sounds fun. Yeah. I think that comes back to what you were saying before then. It actually allows you to enjoy the process. So it's not that you've got this pressure on, I have to be there and I have to achieve that. It's like, you know what, like I I would love to do that and I'd love to get there, but today's going to be good as well. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, and I, I, that takes practice. It takes practice, but it's also, you know, and it doesn't always work out that easily. And sometimes you have to put yourself into the present, but I think this idea of goals as permission to like be happy it just doesn't work that way. So we have to look at it a different way as like goals are like fun things that we want to add to our life, like a fun challenge. It doesn't have to have, I think we're worried that if we don't have that like intensity of like, I'm thinking about it every day and I'm obsessed and everything, then we're not going to do it. And it's like, well, then maybe you don't want to do it. You know, it's like, okay, then let it go. And so it's what? like, Right. So what? I love quitting things. It's the best. It's one less thing to have to think about. You know, I'm like, great. That's awesome. You know, I know. Like, I, I'm actually the same. I'm like, I love things. finding things that I'm not interested in. And I love yes. finding things that I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I don't have to do that. Right. Take it off the list. I'm like, this does not interest me at all. Cool. Like I want a list that says things that do not interest me. Don't even try. So it's just like, okay. Awesome. There's so many choices. I love it. And I love when I love when things don't work out because I'm like, cool. That's exact I that was not going to work out. That was not going to work for me. So, let me go in this other direction. That's awesome. Mm, that's such again and that's that is being content. I think is when you can sort of accept that when things don't go to plan, it's like it is what it is and we move on. We continue. Like life goes on and we can still find joy in small moments each day. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I think a lot of us have an experience of when we really forced something to happen that looked that was just trying not to happen a lot. And we're like, oh, we, I got to have this. I got to do this. And then, I mean, for me, it usually turns out to be the worst thing ever. And I'm like, why did I force this? This was not even enjoyable at all. But I thought that, oh, I was supposed to do this and it will look good if I do this. And I think, you know, I just kind of try to be more 
like with the flow of things um, and just go, well, if something like I'll give it my best shot, I'll, I'll put in, you know, I'll, I'll do my journey. I'll do my goal. I'll do my vision. I'll put it in. And if it's just like not working out, it's either not the right timing or it's just not supposed to happen. And I just move on because I just don't want to live my life in that drama and intensity. And like, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be so depressed and everything. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't do that to my, that's harmful. I Mm. think to myself now. One of the, and I'm not a big affirmations person, but there is one affirmation that I heard in a meditation a long time ago. And it's really stuck with me is that I trust the timing of my life. And Mm. for me that like that, even saying that brings me this like, Oh, like this like peace and calm of like, it is what it is. Like it, I trust that there, you know, and I'm not religious, but there's like, there's a higher good that is in some sort of control here who is guiding me on this path that is ultimately meant for me. And there's going to be shit times on it. There's going to be fun times on it. There's going to be all sorts of different things, but I trust it. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that capitalism of like, I mean, let me, I'm going to ruin the earth you know, take all the resources from it, do whatever I want with it. And there's just absolute, you know, it's like, I'm going to force my will upon others and upon Mm -hmm. this beautiful planet because of the thing that I want. And I think it's meant for meant to be mine and I'm going to force it. And it's like, then it just sprinkles down into all of us where we go, instead of noticing where things are naturally flowing and where there is like naturally abundance and naturally opportunities and it and it does kind of flow with a bit of ease like it takes time and effort but it flows with ease we go no let me like let let me make it harder and let me force myself into this like small hole and i think we're seeing the effects of that now of like just you know trying to will our way into things that are not supposed to naturally happen mm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's such a good way of looking at it <laughs> and a confronting hey. way. Yeah. It's like, I know. Um, I mean, there's because, you know, you can't just talk about you got to talk about the real stuff that's going on, too. It's not just, you know, oh, it's just you. Like that's that's where some of the spiritual stuff gets a little too. It's like there's a world that's happening and there's things that are societal stuff that's happening, too. I agree. And I think that that's uh, when it comes to body image and nutrition as well, that's where I feel that there's so much expectation and pressure put on the individual to make the change and to do the work. And it's like, we also live in a society that is setting us up for failure. Like it's literally working against us when it comes to trusting our body and learning to accept and be happy with who we are. And we're then the ones expected to fix it. It's like, this is, this is bullshit. Like, it's you so did this right. exactly it's like you told and then now it's on me to fix it and then now it's my fault if I can't fix it and that it's hard for me to fix it and, and wow. that I'm not worthy as a person if I can't fix it oh my god it's just so perfect the whole system I uh, when I think about this I'm like the system just works exactly as planned it's <laughs> like you know it's just somebody sitting there going yes, yes. make them feel like shit tell them it's their fault and then have them take on the responsibility. And we're completely absolved of accountability because like, I mean, it's it's on you. 
You believed this. You believed our incessant, constant messaging about this. Screw you. If you don't laugh, you've got if you don't laugh, you're gonna cry. Oh, I know. You'll just cry. You'll be like, so this is just what's been in the air since we've been alive. Cool. Great. Oh god. Now, Jamie, I am mindful of time, so I might wrap this up, but Tell us, where can we find you online? Where can we get your book? How do we find out more about you and what you're doing? Okay. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things, at Jamie Varen. Really easy. Um, JamieVarin.com is like my hub where all my stuff is. You can get my book anywhere books are sold um, in Australia, Amazon, and there's one other one that I'm blanking on, but you'll know. It's, it's all over. And um, you can also find the links at radicallycontent.com. So amazing. Amazing. Thank you. I'm going to put some of those links in the show notes as well. So if you're on um, Spotify or on uh, Apple podcast, then you'll see those links there and can go directly to Jamie's site and purchase the book. I read the book in under 48 hours. It is a very good book. So I highly recommend for anyone listening, if this has resonated with you, please um, yeah, go check out uh, Jamie's book, Radically Content and support her and her amazing work. I also just want to say congratulations on your work ethic, I think, towards promoting this book. I have literally sat back and just admired your work ethic towards it. And I know we're talking about, you know, like not that hustle culture and everything, but I really do admire your approach to just going, you know what, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do the things and I'm going to put this book out in the world and be just so like, this is me and this is the book. So congratulations. I, I, I really admire it. Thank you so much. I mean, it was very intentional. I'm very intentional with things. I told myself, um, you know, I want to build awareness. I want to, I'm proud of this book. I really want as many people to um, pay attention to it as I can. And in general, you know, I, I noticed for a long time that the way people, especially women were promoting books, it sort of was like an apology of like, I'm yeah. so sorry, but like, I wrote this thing. If you could maybe pre-order it, that might be nice. Thanks. And I was like, I'm not going to do that because I'm proud of this. I'm excited for it to come out. Um, I am, I think that I do my work a disservice by not signaling it to people. I mean, people are busy. Time is, um, attention is limited. So I, I really appreciate that acknowledgement because it was something that I was very, very like intentional and thoughtful about. Yeah. And, and again, that's why I admire it is that I saw that it was obviously intentional and me being somebody who is the very much like, Oh, I'm sorry. I did this. Like, uh, I'm, you know, if, if you must like have a read. So I very much admire it, very much look up to it. And it's something that I'm going to energy that I'm going to bring you on to in my future as well. Um, It's just so, I think it's just so lovely to see a woman doing that and taking up space and going, this is me, this is what I've done. And it's fucking incredible. So well done. Thank you. I've, I've had a few people say that, which made me happy because it was not something that I was trying to like impart on people in any kind of way. But I, I do think that I just... I think it's very important for women to not apologize for what they've done to also show other women that it's possible to like enjoy your own art and your own gifts. Um, and that's like really important to me that it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm don't have to be, I can be graceful, but I don't have to be overtly modest and humble because I think anytime a woman creates something, there's a self-belief there, like whether, and then it's just the world telling her 
you you have to be really humble about this. You can't you you can't really like it. And so we kind of like take that mask on whereas anyone who creates something like you're creating it because you know you have a voice. Like <laughs> secretly, I know that you know that you have a voice. So if you're not if you don't believe that, you wouldn't create things. Like it's just built into the system. Um so I thought it was very important to make sure that I honored that for myself and also didn't try to pretend that like, I mean, I wrote the book that I wanted to write and I, I thought, you know, it turned out really good and I really am proud of it. So I don't want to then act that felt like disingenuous to them be like, oh my God, I mean, oh, I, I, I don't know if it's good. I mean, it might be the worst thing I've ever written, but would you be interested in buying it? <laughs> It's like how unappealing too. Right. But also it's like, no, I'm also like, I'm a businesswoman and I have studied a lot of marketing. Mm -hmm. And so I know too that like people respond to enthusiasm and they respond in part to like the energy that you give it too. And so if you're constantly like giving them doubt that like, maybe this isn't very good, they're going to be like, I don't want to buy it. Exactly. Like if you don't exactly. think it's good, yeah. if you don't stand behind it, what do, I'm suddenly now have to give you permission to like your own book. Mm. Um, you know, just my way of thinking of things. No, I, I get it, it though. We're taught to be a little bit like, Smaller. I'm so sorry that I exist. Mm. Yeah. 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 Sorry that I created something. Would you maybe be interested in yeah. looking at it? No, I love it. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate your time. Um, I know your time is so valuable and I know you've got some books that you're working on on the way. So thank you again. I'm sure that the audience is going to love it. And yeah, as I said, I'll put the links in the show notes. Um, But again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's so wonderful.